Uh, and Pierce, thank you for uh, setting the tone, at least in remembrance of uh, 9-11. How many of you, uh, I know half of, well, all of those leaving, except for maybe some of the adult leaders, were born uh, after 2001. How many of you uh, left in here were born after 2001? You guys would be, yeah. Yeah, it's looking kind of weak, and there's a hand I see maybe back there. Where's one? Okay, yeah. So um, it doesn't take very long for a generation to be raised that has forgotten some of the events of its nation. Um, those of you who have served in the military, uh, I know Chief was in Berlin at one time. Were you there when the wall fell, Chief, or not? So obviously he would know exactly where he was when the Berlin Wall came down. How about those of you of my vintage uh, know where you were when uh, JFK was assassinated? You remember that day very well. All right. Uh, those of you who may be a little more senior, and there are very few of those probably in here, but uh, might have remembered the end of World War II, okay? Or at least Pearl Harbor would be the, would be the similar date to 9-11, December the 7th of 1941. So we tell the stories. We, in fact, why I'm even giving you this is I watched a little bit of the news last night, and I thought, wow, uh, that so many young people don't even understand, and no, no disrespect to, to youth, but why do we need to remember? And if, if you don't know what happened, you won't understand why we have to remember or why we should remember. And similarly, last week we uh, shared the Lord's Supper in a very unique way, as a way to remember the sacrifice that Jesus gave for you and I, that uh, his body was basically beaten, he was crucified, and his blood was shed for us as a sin offering. And of course, as you know, uh, the grave could not contain him. He came back from the dead and rose again to be in heaven uh, with the Father. So through faith in him, we might have life everlasting. And last week, as I shared the Lord's Supper, we did it in a different way. Uh, some of you uh, may have received a piece of bread that you were not accustomed to eating. Uh, how many of you got the rye bread last week that I shared? There one, two, three, four. Okay. Those of you who got the rye bread, do you not like rye bread? <clears throat> you thought it was whole wheat. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, Rye bread uh, dates back to the Middle Ages, uh, those of you who are uh, bread historians, that uh, sometime around the 13th century, uh, German wheat uh, did not produce, and someone decided they could use rye to make bread, and that's what they did. And of course, if you've ever been to Germany, uh, rye bread is quite the staple of, versus the white or the whole wheat bread that we eat. In fact... Um, we know in our country, the rye bread, uh, as you continue to date uh, historically things, rye bread came with many of the Jewish immigrants from Europe in the 1900s as they came to the United States because the rye bread that they use is a combination of wheat and rye. So when you eat American rye bread, it's a little different than German rye bread, and some would even call it Jewish rye. And it's interesting when you know the history of something, you you grow at a deeper appreciation for what you are doing or uh, sharing. So last week we celebrated the Lord's Supper and with deep appreciation of the history that we have of 2,000 years of Christian uh, history, 
we accept the words, the bread of life, uh, very easily. In fact, uh, it's become a familiar song lyric to us, and whether you're a pastor or, or a deacon or someone who has been in the pews your entire life, you will know uh, basically the words of institution, the body which is broken for you. Yeah, this take eat this bread which is broken for you. And likewise, the cup is the cup of the new covenant in which the shedding of blood is the remission of your sin. So um, for thousands that were following Jesus this day, getting back into the context, he has fed 5,000 people. As we talked about that two or three weeks ago, more than likely near 10,000 or more with the counting of the spouses and the children. And thousands have followed him seeking the free bread that he had offered. He had fed them with a boy's sack lunch. And last week he talks about, I am the bread of life, and he who eats this bread will have eternal life. And, and that's okay. They pretty well could accept that metaphor. But today, the verbiage we have, in fact, I talked to, to the staff about sharing communion again, to do it two weeks in a row, with what some would take to be cannibalism, where he talks about eating my flesh and drinking my blood. And for those Jews of Jesus' day, that was so anti-Mosaic law. Leviticus 19 talks about you don't ever drink blood. In fact, if you know anything about kosher eating, the meat, the blood has to be drained before that meat would ever be considered to be edible. And when we look at it now with our hindsight, and as I spoke to you last week, we do it with the hindsight of the Lord's Supper. But if you will remember in the context of this Gospel of John, we're in the sixth chapter. The Lord's Supper, the last supper that he shares with his disciples, according to how you chronologically date these chapters, it could be two years from this event that Jesus shares his last meal with his disciples. So they would have had no idea when he said, this is my body, you know, broken for you, and take ye and eat from, drink from this cup. So to expound on the metaphor, I am the bread of life, he tells us that we must devour his flesh. And after hearing that, many of his disciples say, this is a hard teaching. And that's our title this morning, a hard teaching. This is the final section of the bread of life discussion, sermon. I watched the guy uh, this week on YouTube. I get sidetracked and I'll click on, if somebody's preached the same passage, just to hear somebody's view. He said, in Jesus' talk, uh, I don't know if I like that. Is it Jesus' talk? I, and I know, maybe I'm arguing over semantics. It's, it's just Jesus's. you could say, the discourse, his sermon, his homily, all these church words. But basically, Jesus was talking to uh, these five to 10,000 people. And they heard that he had to chew on his meat and drink his blood. And they were, some would leave, as we'll see in the verses to come. But he is building on this enthusiasm that they had for a man who could feed them and tells them more than a physical filling, a physical stomach feeling, feeling, I can fill your soul. And if you believe in me, you'll live forever. So if you have your Bibles, 
John 6, beginning at verse 52. We left off at 51 last week. He's just said, this is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. And at 52, the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at that last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Goes back, he talked about the manna last week. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. And then John sets the context. He said this while teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. Talk about some earth-shattering words in a volatile environment. On hearing it, verse 60, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Let's pray. Father, as we tackle a text that the earlier part we understood, bread of life, we associate communion, this uh, joyous meal of being drawn closer to you because of the sacrifice your son made, but Jesus uses some words that make some of us uncomfortable and we want to be able to understand what he's saying in this hard teaching. So let my words express your desire for us today. Let our minds be open to what you would have us to understand and hear and apply. And we thank you for the bread of life, which through faith and the consumption of that bread, we will have life everlasting. Speak to us now, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I just want to call this a word puzzle today. Um, and some of you may do word puzzles. I, I know that uh, for several weeks in a row, uh, when Dan would be here with Cynthia, and they're on vacation, I hope they're having a great time, Cynthia would have a crossword puzzle book. Some of you uh, my vocabulary is too small to do. I mean, I know words, but I can't bring them to mind. It's like a computer has a lock in there, you know. And what is a conjunction? Uh, and? I, I know, I got to get lost. So, trying to help my own educational process, uh, while the Air Force sent me to, for a year to school in Boston, and I rode the train into town every day. It was about an hour train ride from where I lived. 
And while on campus somewhere, actually, I believe I bought it. Now I've been processed through. I didn't know how I was going to tell this story. Uh, I would buy a Boston Globe paper. It's the one, there are two types of papers when you're in Boston, and one is more like our San Antonio Express. It's folded down the middle. You know, you can open it up this way. Uh, Herald was one like you read, kind of like the National Enquirer, more like a magazine type. And in it was the crypto quote. Here's a crypto quote. I think I have an example of one there. Yeah, and, and in fact, you would have to know it's a Longfellow quote, and Longfellow is being deciphered for you at the top where you see that the L is an A, so there are three L's in Longfellow, so you see an A at the top and two A's over. So basically, you're trying to do this cipher, if you will, um, to understand what the, the statement is below it. And I had this thing that I would buy that thing in the uh, train station, because if I had it in class, I'd be looking at it, and of course it's right next to the comics, and that's what I would be reading versus anything else. But I would buy it, get on the, stick it in my backpack, get on the train, and as soon as the train took off, I pull it out, and I've got this little game I'm playing with myself. I have to have it done before the first stop. Where I lived was the last stop on that train in Rockport, Mass., and it would just basically stop there and wait an hour or so and go back to Boston. Um, and I would do this every day, and yeah, I would get so upset with myself when I couldn't get it done in the proper amount of time. But I, I got fairly proficient at it, and there's a way to guess them and, you know, with the valves. Kind of like watching Wheel of Fortune, but with blindfolds on, if you will. So fast forward a few years, and, and we are now stationed in Albuquerque, and Brenda and I were take, uh, had subscribed. And I think about now, we were walking in our neighborhood yesterday, and we saw the newspaper person come in, and I think they threw one newspaper in the neighborhood. How many of you still get a newspaper thrown on your driveway? There, yeah. Well, there's some dinosaurs in the back of the room, I understand. Yes. But, and some of us like to be able to touch it, we like to be able to turn the page, you know, those kind of things. You want ink on your fingers. You know you've read the paper. Some of you are going, ink on your fingers? What are you talking about? But we were taking the Albuquerque paper that was probably got a freebie or cheap for a while, and it had the Longfellow crypto quote in it. So Brenda and I got pretty good, you know, and if she was at home before I got it, she'd do it, and then I'd be mad, and, you know, you could think about all the family dynamics there. But on the day that she was to be induced to give birth to the twins, because it was one of those things, if you make it till like the 38th, I don't know, whatever week, they will induce you. I come prepared with the go bag, you know, to the hospital with the paper that I've picked up at 5 a.m. that morning. And I get there, and I know, because it's going to be a long day. They're going to start giving her the stuff to make her go into labor and all that. And I'm just prepared, you know. I, I, don't, I don't think I brought a thermos of coffee, but I, which is a bad on my part, I'm sure. But I get there and pull it out, and there's no pencil or ink pen. And Brenda's like, well, just ask one of the nurses. You know, ask the doctor. Ask somebody. Get, somebody's got a pen. I go, nope. I'm going to do it on my own. So that day on uh, January the 9th, 1998, is the only day I've ever done a crypto quote without a pencil or pen. Talk about mental calisthenics. You had to remember that the A was L or the L was A and keep going and reading it back and forth. And somewhere in our book of our baby stuff is that newspaper. Un, you know, with no writing in it, but, you know, it says something about an owl. I should memorize it. And why do you tell us all that, Cliff? Because we have a word puzzle here today, not a crypto quote, not some sort of anagram, not some sort of fancy thing that we might buy a book of, but Jesus is the one who has been giving word puzzles to the people he talked to. Nicodemus, he gave him a word puzzle. 
Fatina, the woman at the word, well, he gave her a word puzzle, and now he is giving this large group of people a word puzzle. Go back to Nick at night. Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the middle of the night. Remember I preached this sermon, Nick at night. John 3, verses, I think, 3 and 4, he says to him, you know, you know tell me more about you. And, and Jesus says, basically, you need to be born again. And in fact, if you, some of you are looking at me with deer in the headlight looks, you like you don't remember this, I'll give you his, his response. I tell you the truth, Jesus is talking about, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. How can a man be born when he's old, Nicodemus answers. Surely he can't enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And that man leaves that night confused. The Longfellow cryptograph was not completed in his mind. Now later on in the scriptures and in church history, we do think he understood who Jesus was. But then you come to Fatina. She is the woman at the well. Jesus has gone there while his disciples have gone in to get food. He's tired. He's hungry, he's thirsty, and he asks her for a drink. And she says, who are you? You know, you're a Jew, and you're talking to me, a Samaritan. He, she is a woman who is a social outcast. And she says, you know, what is it you got to do with me? And he says, well, if you really knew me, and in fact, if you want to look at that, I think that's like uh, chapter 4. Um, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, Jesus says. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will become into him a spring of water welling up into eternal life. And she says, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Well, for enough time with Jesus, she eventually has her heart, her mind, her life changed. She goes back to her hometown, and the Samaritans come out to see the Savior. So, puzzle solved. And now, in this sixth chapter of John, we have another puzzle. And I know at times I bring to you some of the original language, only not to show you that I took it, but it does at times bring some extra understanding. And I was so surprised because I never had learned this prior to this week. I knew this statement, it is a hard teaching. I'm looking at one of my chaplain buddies. Do you know what the word teaching is here in Greek? Yeah, I mean, you, you wouldn't know unless you were reading it today. I don't mean to put you on the spot. Logos. And you have heard that. There's that old familiar word. Word. We've said it over. Word. Yeah, remember when we said that? Word. It is the word for God in John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in John 1.14, he says something, I think, about the flesh. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So clearly, John the evangelist, who is writing this and bringing these words for us, and thank you, John, for bringing it to us, he says that Jesus, who's called the Logos, is clearly more than just a difficult teaching. Jesus himself, made in the flesh, at times is difficult to fully comprehend. Next, in verse 61, aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, to them does this offend you? There's another word in Greek that we have used over the time since I've been here. It is the word that we get scandalous from. Scandalomai which means to tumble, to trip, 
And as you know, if you're a politician, a movie star, an athlete, and you do something crazy and it gets in the news, it is a scandal. It's a trip. It's a stumbling stone for you. And Jesus is saying to his followers, am I a reason for you to stumble? No. Does faith in me cause you to stumble? And the key to this puzzle, you know, why I brought the Longfellow ones up, some of you who get the newspaper will go and look, and many cryptograms will have a, you know, like a hint. A is Z or whatever. There was no hint for those people. But Jesus is trying to explain to them in language that they perhaps did not fully comprehend that he is the key to all things. I am the bread that sustains you. I am the bread that will redeem you. I am the bread that will give you eternal life. I am the comfort food for you. What's comfort food? Biscuit? I, I, I got that, yeah? Anybody? What? Chicken fried steak. Comfort food, as I am told, is that which brings you some... And it makes you think sometimes of your childhood. Uh, I'm not a doctor, not even close. Uh, but I understand they often have something to do with carbohydrates or carbs and sugar. And I've decided my mom's chocolate chip cookies are my comfort food. And mom, if you're not busy this afternoon... I'm on a diet, so don't do it. Yeah, but yeah, we all have different things. And chicken fried steak, uh, mac and cheese, I've heard, is a big comfort food for some people. Uh, chicken noodle soup, okay, yeah, yeah. I think Brenda said, oh, French fries. Brenda said lasagna, which I was surprised that she said lasagna. That's a lot of work to whip up that comfort food. Fish, your fish, your fried fish would be comfort food for me, yes, because... It, seriously, it has a connection to you and I now. I was there one day when you taught me how you do it and watched you do it, and I ate the meal with you. So, yes, that's totally spot on. Thank you, Ed, for that. So Jesus moves, though, from comfort food, I am the bread of life, to walking dead type of imagery. I never watched that TV series. You know, that's the people, the, the dead people walking, walking around and trying to eat you alive. Jesus is saying... Unless you chew on my flesh and drink my blood, you will not have eternal life. Well, eat your flesh and wash it down with some cup full of blood. Not so comforting for most people, and that's where Jesus lost a lot of the crowd. And we'll talk more about that next week. But he lost them. It's funny. He's just given them lunch, and now they're about to lose their lunch. And, and in John, he switches, once again, come back to the original language, the word he uses for eat. In the earlier verses, not until vif, verse 54, verse 53, he uses one word for eat, and 54 and follow, he switches from, um, and one commentator read, said it this week, it's like the word to eat would be like your mom is telling you, eat your vegetables. And, you know, okay, how many moms have ever told you that, right? Eat your vegetables. And he said the next time the word he uses for eat is like your mom would be saying, don't eat with your mouth open. You know, like gnawing around. And how many of you 
like to eat with people who are eating with their mouth open. <laughs> or people who like to talk while they're eating. We, those are all culturally things that we don't do, right? Now, I know there's some culture that you sure burp after you get done eating, and that's, I always want to claim to be from that country, wherever that is. <laughs> you know, hey, Mom, I'm, I'm just from, you know, wherever that is, Tanzania or something like that. But Jesus is saying, I, I think the takeaway on this is to understand this, that when you consume me, don't hide it from others. Don't take your little Baptist chiclet and stick it in your mouth and be like this where no one can see you. I mean, have you ever eaten a salad or broccoli or something and have a little bit of a dangling in your teeth? And some of us are very self-conscious. We'll talk like this, you know. We've, we've, we've just had broccoli, so I cannot look at you because you might know I've had broccoli even though you've had the meal with me and you know I've been eating broccoli. There was a lady who lived across the street from us, and Brenda will shoot me for telling this story because it's not for her, but she, if, she, if she was sitting in here, she's not here, uh, <laughs> she would be uh, probably laying in the floor laughing. Um, this, this was a young mom who lived across the street from us when those twins were born in Albuquerque. And she came over to meet the twins one afternoon. And she came into our yard, because I think we were out there with the stroller or whatever. And um, she's been eating Oreos. And it's quite obvious. And she's just talking to us. And there is just, I mean, Oreos up and down. And Brenda and I, whenever we eat Oreos now, we, and I won't call this lady's name because she's a sweet lady, but, you know, you get to that point, do you tell them, you know, or you got any more Oreos? <laughs> and hang with me on that illustration because when you eat with your mouth open and people can see the Jesus in your life, you got any more to share with me? A hard teaching? Maybe. It's not a hard puzzle once you understand he had a lot of sarcasm he had a lot of ways of putting the world that we were com comfortable with upside down so we go from word puzzle or hard teaching to words of life for those of you who are now thinking about those words that Jesus spoke consider them to be words of life that last verse that we closed out on today the Spirit gives life. Jesus was talking spiritually. He was not talking physically. He was not saying, here, come chew on my arm, you know, you know, drink my blood in that earthly way. He's talking in a spiritual manner because the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. Obviously, this text is not pointing towards cannibalism. He used word pictures to explain who he was and who he is. And as we shared communion last week, I have to wonder how many times have we sold our faith short? And other Christians with the Lord's Supper and communion taken a highway that he never intended for us to go down. And I know I'm on thin ice here, but consider this. We read those earlier verses last week with the hindsight of 2,000 years of Christianity. And we read it with our Baptist understanding. And even as Aaron alluded to today, many of you come from different denominations. You have your own baggage, if you will, your own teachings that you've grown up with. 
but we do them in the context and say this is what it meant. But for these people who heard it for the very first time, what a challenge it was. And now we, we take this meal that we find in Matthew 26 and 26 following, as well as Paul talking about in 1 Corinthians, and sometimes, as we do in our church, celebrate it monthly. Some churches celebrate it uh, every Sunday, and as I said last week, some churches will celebrate it every day. But I wonder, have we missed something? Could it be that we should do the things of faith, not just monthly, but weekly and even daily? And we focus perhaps only on the communion to do with some sort of discipline. What if we shared the gospel, witness to someone else at least every month? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you haven't shared your faith in the past month. But we should be sharing it not just monthly, but we should be sharing it weekly. We should be sharing it daily. When's the last time you went out to a restaurant and the person sitting with you made you uncomfortable because they started witnessing to the waiter or waitress? If you ever go to seminary, it's like every time you go out to eat because some preacher boy or preacher girl is going to be sharing their faith. And that's how you cut your teeth on learning how to share your faith. But like communion, it gets tacked on the end of a service and it loses some of the newness and the zeal. How about when it comes to giving back to the Creator, helping others, sharing your talents, tithing, at least monthly, weekly, daily? That's the challenge of following Jesus. How about forgiving and loving? Well, I'll forgive this person this year. I'll forgive somebody this month. How about forgiving people every day as you have been forgiven, loving as you've been loved? Jesus tells his disciples who couldn't understand the word puzzle that if you can't understand what I'm trying to tell you, imagine what you're going to think and believe when I ascend into heaven. Here, Jesus once again is telegraphing what we don't find in the Gospels, but we'll find in the first chapter of the book of Acts where Jesus, after he had been with his disciples post-resurrection, he ascends into heaven to be with the Father. Now, I like the line in, in I think that's Acts 1, uh, verse 11. An angel comes, and the disciples are staring up into heaven, and in modern-day terminology, be like, what are you gawking at? The same Lord that you saw go to heaven is going to come back again. And that should be the words of life that we share with others. Believe in him. He's coming again. So as we close out this service, we've talked about 9-11 a little bit at the beginning. I, I think you have to say something about Queen Elizabeth. I got to see her one time while stationed in Germany. We went back to England. I love to say when I preached at Ely Cathedral, that night we set up the chairs because the queen was coming the next day. <laughs> I wanted to say I preached to the queen, but she was just late, approximately 24 hours later. But we were in Scotland uh, for Thanksgiving of 2002, 
and most of the things in the Edinburgh Castle will close that day. And the guy says, it's half price. And I said, why is it half price? He said, well, the Queen's coming today, and you can't get to certain exhibits. But if you're here standing on the roadside around such and such time, you will see her up close and personal. And that maroon Rolls Royce was much closer than Aaron and I are right now. I mean, it's probably like this first level step. And she's giving it the Queen wave, and there she's there with her husband, you know. And, of course, uh, I know the Queen personally because I've seen her. <clears throat> But it's interesting watching the news coverage, um, and I heard again her speech that she gave on her 21st birthday. Uh, she was not yet queen. She's just now formally recognized as an adult, and that little quip that played over and over, I, I wrote down. She says, I, I declare before you and all the world, the whole, excuse me, the, I declare before you all that my whole life whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service and the service of our great imperial family. Well, I thought, <laughs> to which we all belong. That could be a statement for all Christians. Once you receive Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I declare to you, whether my life is long or short, my whole life will be devoted to you and to this body of believers and bringing others to Christ. If you know much about the Church of England and the role of the Queen and now the King, uh, she is the, or he will now be, um, the head of the uh, Church of England. Uh, I think her title is actually, I have it somewhere, Supreme Governor. So she appoints uh, the bishops and, and uh, the other uh, leaders of the clergy there. Uh, and, I, and I thought about her, you know, no, so far in all the things I've seen, no one has ever said anything, though I haven't watched one, that said much about her faith. But to be the recognized civil head of a uh, denomination, a national denomination, I'm sure she had plenty of time in church. And I pray that now as this queen is face to face with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, uh, she understands and sees clearly what we now see in part. One of her other favorite, uh, favorite quotes of hers, she said, you have to be seen to be believed. And that's why she was out and about a lot. You have to be seen to be believed. And as Christians, we need to be seen with the bread of life staining our teeth or stuck in our teeth because we need to be believed in this world where many do not believe in the Savior. Share Him as you go. Hard teaching? Not so hard when you let Jesus be the key to it all. Stand with me, please, we pray. Our Father, now as we come to a time of invitation, we thank you for this challenging word that your son gave us, but also the understanding that he is it all, he's all, he's essential for everything that we do and believe and understand. And now, if there's someone here at this time of invitation, this decision time that has never said, I want to consume the bread of life in my life, to follow Jesus, to be a believer, I ask that you would let them step forward and come forward. We'll talk about it. We'll pray together and let them receive the bread that brings eternal life. If there's someone here, Lord, who wants to come to these stairs and kneel and pray 
or stand and pray, that's fine. We have others that will come and pray with them. Let your spirit move. Don't let us hold you back. Don't let sin hold us back. Let us come and seek forgiveness, seek redemption that comes through the bread of life. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.